Welcome to training day. All right, well, welcome. Welcome to Watermark Community Church. My name is Nathan Wagnon. I serve on staff here on the equipping team. I'm the director of equipping and apologetics. And uh, it's just my, it's my privilege to be able to introduce you guys to this class. Um, we've got three teachers this morning that, that uh, are going to do an, an awesome job. Uh, Josh Timms, Laura Webb, and Paige Winkle are, are uh, going to lead you guys through this used and abused class. Um, the, the, the one thing I would say about this is you guys are in a pretty strategic class this morning because obviously as Christians, um, w- one of the primary ways that God has chosen to reveal himself to us um, is through his written word, um, ultimately um, the, through uh, the person of his son, Jesus Christ. But we're able to know about uh, Jesus through the written word. And so obviously there's a lot of uh, uh, ways to read the Bible, which is why there's a bunch of different um, beliefs about it out there, right? And so we want to help you today um, to be able to accurately uh, handle the word, of, the word of God, all right? Second Timothy chapter 2 actually talks about this, um, where it says uh, you need to work um, to be able to accurately handle uh, the word of truth. And so I'm really excited for you guys to be in here this morning, I'm excited about the teachers you have. They've, they've worked really hard to prepare themselves, and, and we are um, encouraged that they're going to be able to do that. We're behind them 100% and uh, are just excited for this time. So let's pray, and then we'll get, get going. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, days like today where we can set aside uh, just time to uh, be equipped um, so that we can be workmen who accurately handle the word of truth. I pray that where um, regardless of where people are in the room today, I pray that you would speak to each one of us where we are, that you would um, equip us, encourage us, empower us to take that next step of faithfulness in our, in our relationship with you um, so that um, we don't have to be ashamed, but that we can uh, take a stand uh, in a world um, who is uh, pushing heavily against you and, and, uh, and also that we might know you um, more. We love you. We give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome uh, to our class. I wanted to be like super vulnerable to start with and just say, hey, it's a little nerve-wracking. It's a little nerve-wracking to sit in front of you guys and talk about how do we handle uh, God's word correctly. And so I just want you guys to know, I want you to, want to know, hey, we're, we are people here too, and we understand this, and we've got to dive in, and we got to do a lot of work and been taught a lot about this. Uh, but I, I want you guys to know that just from us, just so you guys feel at ease as we sit here, and we do too. And so we wanted to start off introducing ourselves a little bit. And so I want to tell you guys my favorite thing about me. I know that sounds really funny. I'll show you. This is my favorite thing about me. This is my family, okay? I have uh, 12 siblings. Uh, the oldest is 30. He's on the far right. The youngest is five. He's uh, real cute in the middle, standing in between the two little girls. And that is my entire family currently. Oh, and one foreign exchange student. <laughs> uh, but that's, he's in the back. He's the super good looking one in the back. Anyways, so this is my family. I got um, eight brothers, four sisters. They, my family, most of them anyway, uh, they live in Idaho where they're missionaries to Mormons. It's pretty much all Mormons in Idaho. And so they moved up there uh, to be missionaries to them about two years ago. 
And so uh, I come from, I was born in Indiana, grew up really central Illinois, and then I bounced around a lot uh, from there. I lived everywhere from uh, Australia to California to Texas to Colorado, and now I'm in Dallas. Hooray. Uh, and so I'm in ministry. I've been in, uh, started my ministry, like kind of, I don't want to call it career, started at Sky Ranch, a summer camp where I was working there, and then I worked at their family camp up in Colorado. And then uh, a guy named Wes Butler called me on, while I was in Australia uh, surfing waves, like, hey, you want to come work at my local church in Dallas? And I was like, no. And I don't want to, like, no. Here I am um, in the residency program with these two wonderful girls, and I will let them uh, introduce themselves. Okay, and my name is Paige Weichel, and I do not have 12 siblings. I actually only have one brother. This is my family. Um, And so I um, love them dearly. They're incredible to me. And so uh, I'm from Stillwater, Oklahoma, born and raised, grew up there, went to Oklahoma State, actually graduated last May. So I'm fresh out of college, super fun. And now I have the privilege of doing the residency program here. And I spent my summers um, doing Canicut camps, did a lot of little ministries within Oklahoma State, and now just am learning how to be faithful here within the college ministry. So I'm mostly primarily at SMU um, through Watermark, and we have this ministry called 128. And so I get to hang out with girls all the time and talk to them about Jesus and their life, and it's really fun. So yeah, there's Laura. <laughs> hey, you guys. I'm Laura Webb, and um, I'm from North Carolina. You can, if you want to flip it for me. So this is my family. How many of you guys have matching family photos? <laughs> yeah. Okay, Awkward. I know you do. I know you do. We don't do that. Um, so, yeah, these are a bunch of uh, good old boys and girls. Their accents are a lot thicker than mine, I promise. Um, I moved to Texas when I was 17 to go to Baylor. Stuck around for four years. Yes, it compares. I love it. <laughs> um, graduated and was doing this uh, crazy music career, and so ended up in Dallas um, to do that, to do music, and then found biblical community for the first time, and the Lord so sweetly wrecked my world and was like, hey, Lord, this life is not about you. I'm like, what? Hold the phone. So um, that's been awesome. It's been a crazy adventure just um, to, to dive in and be like, hey, um, here I am. God, what do you want to do with me? And now I'm in the residency program. So getting to serve with these two folks. I work with the young adults. Um, did any of you guys go to the porch? Yay. Okay. She runs it. (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, so, um, I get to do a lot with our volunteers. So the interview process and kind of creating a discipleship program there, um, and, um, other cool things, events and stuff like that for the porch. So that's my role here. Great. I wanted to, and we wanted to introduce our class to you guys. We called it Used and Abused, uh, mainly because there's a whole lot of, uh, we saw a whole lot of scripture being used out of context in a way that we thought uh, was actually, not, first off, not correct, and then almost like abusive in a way that like wasn't, wasn't true to what the text was saying, what the Bible really meant, and, and was leading people down like just a wrong path of, of using things the wrong way. And we're like, man, what? What, uh, what better thing to know than how to read your Bible correctly, right? If we're going to know God, if we're going to understand Him and who He is and how to live our lives, we need to understand how to read uh, this book, our Bibles. And so we named our class Used and Abused just on those, those verses that we all probably can think of. And, and, and some, some of them may be ones that you haven't thought of, maybe have some like Jeremiah 29, 11, which we'll talk about. Things like that. Philippians 4, 13. Bless our brother Tim Tebow. But the 
the kid just used it out of context, you know? And, and so w- that's why we named that class. This is what we're talking about. And we wanted to show you guys a picture of all the rest of the residents. This is all of us. Yeah, so we um, are in this 10-month-long program from August to May where we get to study our Bible and then once again get plugged in with a certain pocket of the church. And so college, children's, young adults, which is really fun. So this is the whole resident class. There's 22 of us. Fantastic. I wanted to start off our morning by telling you guys a story. Okay, I thought it'd be fun. I love stories. I love telling stories. So I want to tell you guys a story, uh, and, and hopefully you'll be able to understand uh, how this story connects and then, and then why it is so important to be able to read and interpret your Bible correctly. So I used to live in Phoenix. Uh, I lived out there. Uh, I was doing construction and also like doing uh, ministry at a college campus called Grand Canyon University. And uh, we used to drive to Mexico on a fairly, like, often basis to go down there. It's cheap, it's close, go to the beach and hang out. And there's one of these trips down there. My friend Carl and I are driving along, and I see off to the left this big, uh, giant building. And I was like, man, that looks kind of cool. Like, what is that? And he's like, man, I, I don't know. It looked kind of fun. And so on our, on our way back uh, from Mexico, we stopped on the interstate, pulled off the shoulder, and we checked out this building. And it, and it was awesome. I'll actually show you a picture of it. Okay, it's huge concrete building. Looks like they might have like shot a like Star Wars scene in there, you know. Um, it was obvious that it was abandoned and, and big and scary. I had no idea what it's about. We did, a little, uh, we did a little research, found out that it was a racetrack. Yeah, apparently it's a terrible idea to try and run horses in 130 in Phoenix. And so it went out of business in like two years, and so I'd been sitting there, and, uh, and so as, as, a, as a child at heart, I was like, man, we got to explore, you know, like, that's just got to happen at some point, like, this place looks fantastic to just go in and check it out, and um, while, while that is true, I, I was pretty aware that probably they don't just let anyone come in, and so it's three weeks later, I was hanging out with some friends, and you know how, like, when you're college age, it's like two o'clock in the morning, you're still hanging out because that's normal, and I was like, hey, guys, I have a really cool idea. This is going to be super fun. Let's go explore this old abandoned racetrack. And they're like, no, man, like, no, it just doesn't, ah, I don't want to. And I was like, no, guys, I'm telling you, it's, like, it's awesome. It'll really be cool. And so uh, I, I convinced them to do it. So off we go. So we get there. By the time we get there, it's about 2 in the morning, okay? And there's kind of two ways to do these sort of missions. If you guys are at all mischievous like I am, there's kind of the gangbusters, just drive up, get in, and get out, you know? And then there's like covert, like park a couple miles away, walk through the ditches and get there real quietly. Well, at 2 o'clock in the morning and, and, and my friends not feeling real motivated to walk through ditches, we decided gangbuster style, okay? So we drive right up to this place, and we drive up to the gate, and we're about to head in, and uh, it's all fenced off, which is uh, normal. Bless me. Don't, uh, yeah, don't judge me. So we, we, uh, we, we walk in, or we get there, and it's all fenced off, but there's a hole in the fence. Someone else had obviously been in there. But on the fence, right on the gate, there, there's a no trespassing sign. And, and we've, we've all seen these, right? And I said, eh, no trespassing, but I was like, oh, man, old farmer Joe, whoever owns this, like not a really big deal. And uh, that's all the farther read. It's like, no trespassing, eh, that's great. I'm going to go for it anyways. And so my friend's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Come on, here we go. So we go into this place, and so we, we check it out. And it's, I mean, it was legitimately incredible. I mean, it was huge. And people had obviously lived there. There was like, like, old like clothes and blankets. There was uh, one incredible graffiti artist that had been in there. Um, it was a little, I'll be honest, it was just flat scary, even for like a grown, like three grown men. We were like, golly, it's super scary, dark. There was death painted on all of the like elevator shafts and escalators. And so we're like, ah, I don't know. But it was, it was still like fun. We're enjoying it. Um, there had obviously been at the very front, I'll, I'll go back at the very front of it, 
there had been glass all that on the left hand side there was glass on the side and then all the front that had obviously been like shattered out and so I'm up there um, climbing on that and at one point there's a, a part of the building that's like meets at an intersection like this and I was like jumping over three stories like well this is fun anyways well Austin I was like guys did you hear something and my friends who all thought I was playing a joke and I was like nah man quit playing and all of a sudden I mean the place lights up like a Christmas tree and all we hear is Come out with your hands in the air. Walk out. Everyone is in here with your hands in the air. And I was like, oh, no. You know? And we look out the door. We look out the door, and we see seven state trooper SUVs with all their lights on. Guns are actually out. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% honest. Guns are out, and they're like, hey, come out of the building. And we, we, felt like, we felt like this kid here. This is what we... This is what, this is what we felt like, for real. Uh, we were like, oh, no, this is not going to work out well. And, and so here we go. We come walking out, and uh, we're getting, you know, hands in the air. We're getting told instructions to come out. So we walk, and we got all sat down on this log. And there's one officer who's obviously in charge, and he is having a heyday. I mean, he is why are you here? There's lots of colorful language involved. And he is screaming at us, really like getting in our face. And, and I knew in that moment that my friend Carl, who I brought with me, and my friend Alam, Carl worked at the airport. Alam was a school teacher. And I knew that if this went on their record, like both of them could lose their job. And so I, I like quickly raised my hand and said, hey, I'm the one responsible. They would not be here if it wasn't for me, I promise. And so he, so now all, all of that wrath and fury is directly at me. And he's just going to town. And finally, he asked me a really funny question. He says, are you literate? Like, can you read? And I was like, I thought, yes. I mean, like, I was confused why that came up. I was like, yes. He's like, so you read the sign that said federal property no trespassing, fine of no less than $5,000 or time in prison. I was like, well, I mean, I read the no trespassing part, but I was like, and in that moment, I realized like I just seen it, but I hadn't, I hadn't read the whole sign. So I was like, uh, yes, I did write it. And he's like, and you still came in. I was like, uh, I just really wanted to explore. And he, he just went on for it. And then and it was this most amazing moment. He just stopped and said, he's, he's like, all of you stand up. You have five minutes. You have five minutes to be off of this property. If you so much as turn around, I will put you in handcuffs. I'm, I kid you not. Like, I was like, hey, this is what I'm leaving like. I thought for sure this is what I'm going to be looking like. He said, hey, you, you don't turn around. Don't go tell your friends about this because if I have to pull a dead college student out of elevator shaft, I have your phone number and I will be coming to find you. And, I, I, it, was, and it was like, okay, so off we went, you know, and we, and we took off and we left. And the reason I tell you that story is because the same way that I read that sign is often the same way that we read our Bibles, right? In, in small portions, we don't read the whole thing. We don't take it in context. If I knew the context of, hey, this is not Farmer Joe's property, but this is federal property. And, and, if, and if I knew uh, that that meant like jail time, prison time, and not just like a slap on the wrist like other no trespassing signs have meant in my life, I, it might have changed what I, if I had chosen to go in or not, okay? And so I, I wonder, man, if we, if we think about <clears throat> how do we read our Bibles, do we take time to read it in context? Do we take time to uh, understand the full meaning of it? Okay, and, and, and I, I, I didn't read or interpret that Bible or that sign correctly because I didn't spend time doing it, okay? And when I say, like, we want to read and interpret our Bible correctly. I know interpreting sounds like a big, scary word, but what I mean is just reading your Bible correctly, like knowing really what it means, okay? And uh, I think that reading your Bible correctly is much more serious than a yelling police officer. 
I mean, the, the fear that I had in that moment of my friends possibly lo- losing their job because I had led them astray, right? It, it was much more serious than a yelling officer and much more scary than that. I mean, Matthew 18 talks about, hey, if you put so much as like a stumbling block in the way of, 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 a, ch- of a child, right, in the way that you lead them astray, hey, it's better for you to put a millstone around your neck and be thrown in the ocean. It actually, the Bible actually says that. Okay, and, and, I, and I realized this, and I was like, man, how, how often have I done that? How often have I done that with the Bible? How often um, have I not been grounded in truth because I just kind of took, read, opened? I, I've done this. I'm, I'm not kidding. I've done this. I've opened it like, oh, this sounds good. And that was my verse for the day, and I had no context of what he was saying. And, and, and so I say all of that because this, and this is something, hey, I actually want you to write this down, okay? Poor study leads to bad theology, and bad theology leads to chaotic living. And, and, and what I mean by that is, man, if we aren't studying our Bible correctly, if we don't really know what it's saying, then our understanding of God, understanding of what God is saying isn't correct, and then if that isn't correct, what we do will not be correct. Does that make sense? Poor study leads to bad theology, and bad theology leads to chaotic living. And so, just like that sign, I didn't understand it. I mean, I understand, like, ah, they probably don't want us in here, but not a big deal. I didn't understand that. I didn't read through federal property, right? So the same thing with our Bible, man. If we don't study our Bible correctly, if we don't know it correctly, then we won't understand our God and what he's saying, and then our lives will just be a mess. We will be so off course. So it's very, it's, it's, it is important. It's imperative to our leadership and for the safety of others. So we are going to show you a few things today of just some practical things that you can do. How do, how do I read my Bible? How do I know I'm reading it correctly? What are some things I can do to walk forward in that? Okay, uh, We're also going to give you some like case studies. We'll like put some scripture up here and be like, hey, these, these are probably some verses that <clears throat> you may or may not know what they're actually saying. But we're going to walk you through how to find out what they're actually saying. And then we're going to give you some very practical do's and don'ts at the end. And so I, I hope that you, you're able to, to listen up and pay attention. I, I also hope that it doesn't sound um, like it's going to be that hard. I promise it's really not that hard. I mean, just in the same way, if I had just stopped to read that sign, really the whole thing, it wouldn't have been that hard for me to figure out what it meant and what was happening, right? It's not as hard as you think. And so Miss Page is going to start us off by walking us through just some really, really practicals. Hey, if you're going to study your Bible, if you're going to open it up, here's some great ways to start to know that you're reading it correctly. Perfect. And um, our resident cop in the back, um, oh, Jeff, yeah. <laughs> is going uh, yeah, to have a little talk talking with <laughs> um, Josh later. But so first of all, we're just going to start with a really big word, and it's called hermeneutics. Has anyone ever heard this word before? Yeah? Hermeneutics simply means how to study your Bible, um, the study of your Bible. So um, that's all that is. And so the verse down there says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth and what Nathan um, touched on a little bit earlier. So we're going to dive into some practical ways of how to do that. And here we go. We're going to get started. Oops, sorry. Um, so this is huge. This is um, where we are going to spend a lot of our time today. Um. So this is uh, this river of differences. Um, And how I'm going to talk about that is we're going to think through while we read our Bible, every single time before we open it, we're going to pray. 
Um, we're going to pray that the Lord um, is going to, to use his scripture to speak through us. He uses, he uses three things. He uses scripture, he uses people, and he uses his spirit in order to speak. So the first one is this original audience, a universal truth, and a modern application. And what that simply means is what was going on back then? What was happening when, um, the, what was happening when these people were writing scripture? What does it always mean? So what is this thing called a timeless truth? So we're going to find the timeless truth as we read scripture and then the now. So how do we apply that to our world today? So there's these barriers, there's history, there's culture, there's language, um, geography, time, and covenants that um, are this barrier of differences that we somehow have to get over this hump. But how do we do that? That's so important. So we were not the Israelites. We were not the people that they were specifically writing to at that time. But it applies to us today. So the original audience, um, you're going to try to get from the original audience to the modern application. And by doing that, you get through the barriers. And so we're going to talk through how to do that. Um, can I, can then, I draw that real quick? Yes, just, go for I'm it. I'm a little bit visual, so I just want you guys to understand this. So if we've got over here, we're reading our Bible, okay? And it was written to original... Audience, it's funny how my spelling gets harder in front of people. <clears throat> okay, and then modern application. So, what does it mean for us today? What do we do with it, right? Because just reading His Word isn't enough. We need to be able to apply it to our lives, right? And so, how do we get from here to here? Is what she's saying. And it's that. Do you see it right here in the middle? It's that universal truth. What, what is it, if everything's taken in context, who's, he, who's the writer talking to or writing to, and what does it matter? And then this whole river of truth, like all the things that are happening, you know? <clears throat> we live in a much different day and age. We're driving cars now. We have cell phones now. I mean, like, the, the amount of differences here is huge. So, so time, history, a huge one is culture, Right? And all of those things. And so the, the way that we get here is, is understanding the context and what's being said, who wrote it, all that stuff of this original audience and the original author, right? And this here, the way that we bridge this is what is the universal truth. And so I wanted, I wanted to um, like show you guys a picture of this because I'm very, very visual. And so understand this is what she's talking about. She's gonna, we are going to talk through how understanding this gets us to what the universal truth is. And then, and then later Laura's going to be like, okay, and then how do I apply that to my life? Does that drawing help? Could you guys see that? Here, we'll turn it a little bit. Um, so this is where people mess up. This is where uh, we try to jump from here to here without finding the universal truth in scripture. And that's a lot of the ways people can take it completely out of context. And so they were in a different time and age. Um, culture was very different. The time was different. And so lots of things were going on. So eventually we're going to get to how do we apply this to my life today. Um, so this next way is I'm going to show you guys some really practical ways of how to do that. Um, and it starts with, does that get cut off a little bit? Oh, that says observation. Um, so first is going to be observation, and then interpretation, and then application. So we're going to start with observation. Um, the first thing you start with is genre. Um, so you figure We've been teaching her that word for like three weeks. So, so I okay. always say it really weird. Genre. 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 Okay, yeah, great. I got page. it. Wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the genre um, is going to be 
what type of literature is this? So before you even start diving into scripture, you need to know what type of literature is going on um, within you, that yeah, text. If you flip to the back of, of one of your handouts, there's a little bookcase. That page is going to show you. Oh, yes. I'll show you that in a moment. So the, back, the very back of your handout, you just flip over the big packet. Um, there's different genres there. So there's lots of different ones. In the Old Testament, there's law, history. Or can you go to the next one? Absolutely. Uh, there's law, history, poetry, wisdom, major prophets, and minor prophets. So there's lots of different people who are writing during these times, and we have to figure out which one of these is it. And this little Bible bookcase right here is going to help you tremendously to say, oh, this, this is about history. This is what was going on um, back then, which can still apply to our lives today. So we're going to walk through that too. And then the New Testament, Gospels, history, Paul's letters. Paul writes a majority of um, the New Testament, general letters, and then prophecy and revelation. So, for example, if I just was um, wanting to read through the book of Psalm, Psalms, um, I would turn it open. And if I just read something literally from it, here's some scriptures. Psalms 6.6 6 says, Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of my grief. If I just pulled that out and read it and I didn't know that that was poetry, I would be like, well, I don't really like drown my bed with tears and what the heck? Is that next. what Christians Taylor are Swift. supposed to do? I'd be do? the next Taylor Swift. Next Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> but so we need to be super, we need to know that Psalms is poetry. And so during that time, or yeah, during that time, um, David was writing those um, with poetry. And so he's using images. He's using um, different things like that in order to get his points across. A, a way my dad described it to me, he said, with this whole genre thing, he's like, think about a how-to book. So uh, Michael Jordan wrote a how-to book on how to play basketball. And then Shakespeare wrote a poetry book on how to read basketball. Okay? Or, or how, to, how to play basketball. Do you understand like, how you would read them differently? If Shakespeare wrote a book, if the genre is poetry, right? And you're reading how to play basketball, or if you're actually reading a how-to book by Michael Jordan. Does that make sense of like, oh, hey, how I read that and how I apply that is going to be much, much different, right? How, how I read Shakespeare's poetry about basketball is like, oh, this is fun, right? And then how I read Michael Jordan's, hey, this is how you play basketball, is going to be a different application to your life. Does that make sense? Great. Okay, so another way you can look, that, look at that is letters. So pretend you're writing a letter to your very best friend or maybe like your husband or wife when you're about to get married that letter is going to look very different than you writing like a thank you letter to someone you went to a dinner party, correct? And so what we're going to need to know, can you go to the next one? What we're going to need to know is these other questions right here is who is writing this book? Um, Who are they writing it to? So you need to know the author. You need to know the recipients. So um, if I'm writing a letter to Josh, it's going to look a little different than if I'm writing a letter to my roommate, Laura. Um, and so who is writing it is going to be super important. Who they're writing to is going to be very important as well because you need to know who those people are and what he's trying to say. Um, you need to know what in the world they're talking about. What, why are they writing this? Um, where is this happening? So setting, date, scene, um, figuring out in that time what was going on around that history. Um, when and why in the world would they even be writing this? So um, a lot of things we find in those is you're going, as you're um, reading through scripture, you're going to pull out the themes. You're going to pull out the purposes. 
you're going to pull out the settings before you even dive into the scripture to know what is going on around it um, is super important. Do you guys have anything to add to that? That's great. Um, okay, so this next slide is um, just some practical ways to do that. So if, you is, if anyone has a study Bible in here, at the beginning of your study Bible, I have an ESV one, it has all of this written out for you. So you don't even have to search for it within the scripture. It literally tells you the author and title, the date, the genre, the style and substance, the themes. And so you can also find these study Bibles online. And we have tons of websites on the back of your handout as well that will help you find those. And that's all you can simply do is just go, go to that in the very beginning, read through that before you even dive through the scripture or dive into the scripture. And so the next one, too, um, will just show also the purpose, key themes, and then it's just going to give you a whole outline of the book you're even reading. And this is the most simple way to find out the context of your Bible before you dive in. So this is key in observation. Observation, key, key, key. Um, and then a really other simple way is there's this website um, that we got introduced to. It's probably my favorite thing to go on and ask as many questions as I possibly can, and it's called Got Questions. GotQuestions.org. Um, it's very reliable, and it is going to give you an even shorter condensed version of what is going on in um, that book of the Bible. So they have an app, which is my best friend, and sometimes I'll even just lay there before I go to bed and like type a random question in, and it gives me all this weird practical things that are awesome and tons of scripture to back it all up. So if you just go into there and you type in Philippians, it's going to give you all the context of that and what's happening during that time. Yeah, it really is incredible as you look at your study Bibles and even the, the thing on Got Questions, it, it walks you through, hey, who's writing it? You know, who are they writing to? What's happening in this, in this day and age? And it begins to give you an understanding of like, hey, how, how should I read this in? How then should my interpretation happen? Okay, so that context, observing all those who, what, when, where, why, is, is going to be, I would say, that's your starting point, right? That's the whole before you even open it. If you understand uh, which book of the Bible you're reading, who's writing all of those things, you've asked all those questions, how you're going to apply it and how you're going to use it and how you're going to point people to it is going to matter context context is going to be is going to be your best friend as far as knowing that you are reading and interpreting your bible correctly so don't don't miss that step it's easy for me i i know for a long long time it's easy for me i just kind of would flip and read and i didn't understand what why different letters paul wrote were different for different churches what was going on inside of those churches you know we know that in the church of corinth when he wrote to them the our key word for that book is correction Okay, he wrote letters to them because they were being idiots. And so, and so that, seriously, very genuinely, he, he wrote these letters because, hey, you guys are, are being idiots, and I, and I am admonishing you because you're being idiots. And so that helps me put in context what he's saying, and it helps how I'm applying it. Does that make sense? I think, I think it, it, becomes much, it brings it into a much fuller light when you understand all those questions. Absolutely. Um, yep, I was also the person who would just turn my Bible open and just start reading. And so that can be really scary. And so we need to just be really careful in that, um, just like Josh said. So the next one is some helpful websites um, that you guys can turn to and go to. The first one on there, it's also on the back of your big handout with, with tons of um, websites. The first one is Constable's Notes, which is just this huge commentary um, that has a lot more information than you're probably going to want to know. But it's super helpful if you don't understand a certain verse. Um, so you can constantly go back to that. Um, the Blue Letter Bible 
Dot.org one is a, is a great one for word studies. And so if I don't understand what a word means, or I want to see everywhere else in scripture that it's talking about that word, I can go to this website, type in my word, and it's going to pull up every single um, place in scripture that it also says that. And then the, the, in the right scripture, it's talking about it in the right Greek word. That might sound kind of, kind of confusing, but, <laughs> but the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew, and so we've had to completely... Um, uh, What's the right word? Yeah, and, and little... Yeah, translate. translate. Thank, Thank you. you. I was like, what is yeah. that? Translate. Little side note there. When you get into apologetics, some people will argue, oh my gosh, this thing has been translated into English. We've lost all the context. That's not true. The English cl- translation is pretty close. So just know that you can read in confidence. You do not have to be a Greek or Hebrew scholar. You do not have to go to seminary to understand what your Bible is saying. So just know that the English translation is a great translation. For sure. Um, so next we're going to move on. And so what's the very first thing you do before you even turn to your Bible or turn to scripture? What? Pray. Pray. And what's the second thing? Open it. Yes. So you're going to observe, observe what's going on. So you're going to ask, what are some questions you're going to ask? You guys just throw them out. Genre. Oh, good. You know how to say that word. I don't. Uh, next one. (laughs) Who, who wrote it? Why? Why are they writing it? What else? What? When? Good job. You guys are uh, scholars already. You guys went to elementary school. Who, when, where, why? Yeah. Remember those who, what, where, when, why questions you ask? We still do that. Um, So the next one, uh, here we go. Here's grandma. (laughs) We're going to do a little um, story here with grandma. So I wish this was my grandmother. It's not. But um, she looks pretty awesome. Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to give you guys two different stories in different contexts about grandma. So the first one is, I'm headed to the ranch with Grandma. We're about to have a good old time. Um, my little brother's there. We're running around, uh, about to go on a boat, hang out. And we're headed back up to the ranch. And my brother's like, hey, let's eat, Grandma. And so we're really hungry. And so you think about it. Okay, yeah, uh, it's time for food, time for lunch. So, right, correct? So you go in, you eat some lunch. We're eating with Grandma. Let's eat, Grandma. So there's my first story. The second story is, different context, you're on a cruise ship with grandma, you know, the, the, the old grandma cruise ships that um, I love to go on with grandma. Um, so we're on the cruise ship, all of a sudden we're shipwrecked, our whole boat is destroyed, and we're having to swim to a desert, deserted island. We're on this island, the only other people on this island are some scary men with like some pitchforks and knives and I don't know what else is going on. And all of a sudden you hear, let's eat grandma. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's completely different. Grandma got to run for the hills. <laughs> Grandma's about to start sprinting because grandma's going to be completely running because they're going to try and come and eat her. So I use the same words, same words, different context. And so knowing that and seeing that is completely different. And so you have to be able to read the context. And a huge thing in that is just read the passage. A lot of people will just read one verse instead of the passage, and that's just going to help tremendously. And so read the context of that verse. Yeah, one thing Todd says is we don't read Bible verses, we read Bible passages. So always know, like, look ahead, look after, um, and do these simple steps. Yeah. So the next one we're going to dive into is just a scripture um, example. It's Philippians 4.13. So I was the girl in high school who 
would um, repeat this verse in my head every single time I ran like a track meet or every single time I was playing soccer. I was like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yep, I'm going to run faster. I'm going to have magic superpowers that the Lord's going to give me in order to do these things. And so we stamp this Bible verse everywhere. And I think a lot of people don't realize the actual context of it. And hey, be it, honest. Who's, who else has done that? <laughs> I've totally done it. Who else has done that? I've, I've used I've, this verse so many times. I've done that. I, I literally thought, man, this means that God is going to give me some, like, God's on my side. I can do all things through him. And that means my, my football play today, the touchdowns, the way that I, I mean, everything. I, I legitimately was like, hey, this is what I'm going to use it for, for a for an embarrassing amount of time, okay? And so I, I want you to know, like, this, is, this isn't, this isn't out of the ordinary because it is so easy if you just take things in a little snippet to take things completely out of context. So I, I just, I just want to like, hey, I've been there. If you're sitting here like, oh no, I, didn't know, I don't actually know what that verse means. That's okay. Totally I, okay. I get it. I've been there. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> oh yeah. I've used this verse multiple times and many others out of context. And so this one in particular um, is talking about something completely different. So I'm really quickly just going to walk you through what it is talking about. So... We're observing, okay? Who's writing this? Who's writing this letter? Paul. Good. So who's he writing to? The church in Philippi. Um, And you can also figure out what's going on with the church in Philippi during that time. The date was 61 AD. And so what was happening during this time and where he was is Paul is chained to a Roman guard at this time. He is literally in jail, chained to a Roman guard Every single time a new Roman guard is coming at a different time in, in the watch night and um, being completely chained to him. So he is laying there just chained to this Roman guard writing these letters. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it really isn't. We like uh, the, the story is as we like read it and as we like went back, he really very genuinely was was chained. Uh, imagine actually being chained to someone like he wasn't just in prison, like just like sitting in a jail cell and he could sit in, on his bed and right in the corner. Like he actually had someone that he was chained next to. And every watch they would come and replace a new Roman guard. Imagine him like sitting there, uh, like looking at the feet of the guard that he's sitting at writing this letter. OK, go ahead, Paige. This so it makes a huge difference. Now we completely your whole mindset is somewhere else now. And I'm going to read this to you. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, or I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Does that change that a little bit? In anyone's heads, it changed it for me completely because what he's talking about is contentment. He's not talking about that I'm going to have a superpower every single time I get up to go run a track race or anything going on. But he, what he's saying is contentment is in him. Contentment in the middle of like something hard. I mean, it wasn't just like, hey, be content as lush as, or as Paul is sitting in his lush house on a nice sofa or anything. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm telling you that God gives me strength to endure and be content while being chained in prison, right? And, and, and so no longer suddenly this verse suddenly becomes all about how big God is and less about how cool I think God's going to make me do or be inside of my football game. So that makes, I mean, it's suddenly content. God's the one that's being big. And so that, that verse now has, has completely different than when we started off. And, and our, once again, my, 
I love Tim Tebow. Don't hear me wrong. I really do. But our poor kid's just sitting here writing across his verse, and, and it's being shown on TV. And I'm like, hey, you're just you're giving. That's not what God's saying here. There's a whole lot of people that are watching, and they're not understanding what God's truly saying here correctly. Yeah, so if you're sitting here like, oh, gosh, I might be using verses out of context, don't worry, because we're teaching you how to put them in context. And now it's your responsibility to help other people see what that context is. So the next one is um, a little different approach to this. So if you've observed, there's this um, thing called inductive Bible study. Um, it's really tedious. Callie does it. It's really tedious. It, um is awesome though and it's um just a way this is just one way you guys can study your bible to put it correctly in context and so first um you pray second you observe third you interpret and fourth apply um and it's the bookmark is on the back of your handout as well and it asks you lots of different questions and so we are about to jump into the interpretation part of it so we've now observed and we're going to interpret now so you're going to look for after you observed the questions that asked on that bookmark are the significance of main observations. So you're going to say, okay, so once I've observed this, what is the significance of these observations? What does this mean? Um, put yourself in their shoes is a huge way I love to read scripture. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put myself back in this time and figure out what was really going on um, in order to interpret it. And then how do you respond to this passage is going to be in the applications part of it. Um, and then you're also going to ask yourself, how do I summarize this in one sentence? How am I going to pull out a theme from what I just read and summarize what I just read in one sentence? And that's going to be key for finding out that universal truth, the timeless truth that you're looking for. So we pray, we observe, we interpret, and then we're going to apply. Um, so yeah, here we go. And we're almost done with the interpretation piece of this. So oh, the next good. piece is, um, this is just part of inductive Bible study. You don't have to do this. This is one of the ways I love to study my Bible. Um, and so girls might like this a little bit more than guys. It's like different colors and different symbols that you make on your, in your Bible. It's I really like cute. That bubble. <laughs> and um, look, my Bible is so colorful. That's how that happens. But um, so one of my favorite things to do, though, guys, if you want to do this too. So you put a triangle around God. You put a cross by Jesus Christ. And you put a um, cloud around the Holy Spirit. And from there, what I do is I just put, have a piece of paper. I put God, um, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and I just make a list of the characteristics of who he is. And just from there, you've just completely learned so much more about our God. And it's just really cool. And then there's also other things you can do as in repetition. So you ask yourself as you're reading scripture, what is the key word in this scripture? What am I trying to pull out? What is what is, what is going on? Why is he saying the word love so much in the scripture or whatever's happening? And then contrast. You're going to look at that a lot. There's this word, um, or you're going to look at the contrast between things. So Romans 8 talks a ton about the spirit versus the flesh. And so you're going to contrast those two things. And on the top of your piece of paper, you can write spirit, flesh, and literally list out um, what he's talking about. Um, which will really help, and that's from Romans 8. So you can compare. You can compare the scripture. You can say, okay, this, this compares to another piece of scripture I just read, or there's this thing called cross-referencing, where in your Bible it has different pieces that you, um, different little letters next to the scripture where it's going to give you a cross-reference to take you somewhere else. Um, my best friend is making lists 
I love making lists, and so if you're not a list maker, um, it will help you a ton in order to figure out what they're talking about. And then um, the another word uh, is like a conjunction. So a but is a huge in scripture, and I always circle the word but every single time I read scripture because it's like, hey, this, but listen closely. Like, here's what I'm real, what I'm about to tell you. Um, and so it's awesome. So do you two have anything to add to well, this? Well, all, all this is doing, this helps you a whole lot. I know that like, I'm not a huge list maker and my, and my Bible's not super colorful and there's not clouds around the Holy Spirit. But, uh, <laughs> uh, um, but what it does, what it is helping you find the universal truth. And I know like after observing, you might still think in like that, that helps in the context of it that we've put it in has already helped us a lot. But, but really genuinely, if you start to understand the themes of the different passages in the chapters or of a whole book, suddenly it becomes just a whole lot deeper. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, it really does begin to be more of a full picture and you're starting to understand, oh my goodness, like this is, this is big. My, my dad taught me how to do this and he said, it's a lot like looking at the moon for like 30 days every night. And like, man, at the end of it, like, I really know a lot about the moon. And he's like, then you could get one of those telescopes. You could look at the moon and like after 30 days, like I know even more, but like, I didn't know that before. And I was just looking at it. And then like a week later, you land on the moon. And you land on the moon and realize it's just a part of a huge galaxy. And suddenly, the more that you understood, sorry, got it? Uh, the more that you've uh, been there and observed it, and the more that you've taken time to spend time there, the, the more full picture you understand. Like, you understand it better, but yet the more you understand, you don't know. Does that make sense? So this really, this, uh, I know that sounds crazy. I know, like, man, that just sounds like a lot of work. But really, I, I think you would find it not only amazing, but, like, helpful. And, and, and it would, it'll uh, bring reading your Bible to a whole different kind of, like, level when you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, he's, he keeps saying this word. And I see the contrast now between the spirit and the flesh. And, and you could write out, like, all the things of the flesh are this, and then all the things of the spirit are this. And it becomes very obvious, like, man, I want to live inside of the spirit right? Because you've taken time to like read through your Bible, highlight those things, write it out. So it, 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 I know it sounds crazy. You don't need to circle it, guys. You don't need to have colorful pens, um, but you can make those lists and start to understand it in a, in a bigger way that helps you find that universal truth. Yeah. And as you're picking out those themes, you see, um, if you guys have your, your Bibles, you can turn to Romans eight and see how many times it says the flesh, the spirit, the flesh, the spirit. And honestly, I don't think I even recognized that until I started thinking about it, like picking up themes and what that does. It just helps you zoom out and say, okay, what the heck is Paul even talking about? What's going on here? And once you zoom out, then you can zoom in. So we, I, tend to just like zoom in. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's a verse and that's great. And I feel so good right now. And truthfully, I need to like zoom out and be like, what is Paul talking about? What's going on? What's he trying to tell me? So all these things are just going to help you understand what's going on. The book of numbers. It's great to read before and to know that these guys are wandering. They're wandering in the desert. So that's going to help having that overview before I zoom in and, and read a verse there and try to apply it to my life. So picking out themes, um, comparing, contrasting. Does that make sense? The purpose clear of that? 
Awesome. Yeah. You want to ask yourself, what's the 411? What's everybody talking about? What's the big idea, okay? Okay. That's what you want to do. That's what we call the pickles voice. (laughs) There she is. That's actually who she is, ladies and gentlemen. That's my my real voice. Um, So the next thing we're going to do, this is the last piece of the interpretation part. And um, here's some simple bullet points that are really going to help as you're reading your scripture. So the first one is context always rules first. So you always want to know the context of it. So how in the world are you going to find the context of it? You're going to observe. Um, So you're going to observe first. And then you're going to be able to interpret. So the next one is seek full counsel of the word. Compare and contrast similar passages. And so I'm going to be able to take um, a piece of scripture that's talking about the flesh. And it's probably going to compare to another piece of scripture that's talking about the flesh um, and how sinful we are or whatever it's it's discussing and that bleeds right into the next one and it says scripture will never contradict scripture um so the spirit's never going to contradict the spirit um the same spirit that's living inside me lives in you like yes there's there might be some differences of ways we apply it um but there's never there's one interpretation of the scripture um so one interpretation many applications you can write Um, that down you can write that down. One interpretation, yeah, many that's a good, applications. Yeah, that's a great one to write down because it's so true because, and as we'll talk about later, if we realize there is just a universal truth, but now how it applies to my life might look very different than the way that you apply it to your life, okay, but that doesn't change the truth of what it is actually saying. Is that, I mean, that like, it's a, it's a big thing because how, how I'm going to use it, how I'm going to actually, it's going to, like, grow, like when rubber meets the road, it might look different for me than for you, but the truth of that scripture is always going to be the same. In other words, you'll see, you'll see it again later. Paige will tell you, but we can tell you over and over again, erase from your memory, the words, what does this mean to you? So what does this mean? And how can I apply that? Or how can you apply that? So go ahead and delete whatever you have to do. (laughs) What does this mean to you? Don't ever say that. Um, do your bet, do your, oh, oh no, do not base your convictions on an obscure, obscure passage of scripture. So when I take one piece of scripture, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is my life story right here. Like it's not, it's not about that. So you need to compare that to different pieces, um, as you're reading. So interpret scripture literally. Um, so as you're interpreting your scripture, literally, that doesn't mean like, I need to observe all these things in order to interpret it literally. And so once you've observed, that's when the literal part comes in. So Psalms, okay, it's poetry, so it doesn't literally mean I'm going to cry myself in tears or going to flood over my whole bed. It's going to say, um, and you're going to say, oh, that's poetry. Okay, so now I can apply it literally. Um, Allegories and typology are used to illuminate, never to create. And so all that's saying is stories. As you're reading through stories, sometimes like a parable will say something crazy or something that like Matthew will say, cut off your hand. Like just cut it off if it causes you to sin. So am I going to take that literally and just go and cut off my hand? What it's talking about really is cutting out the sin in your life. It's not saying I'm going to physically go and cut off my hand. And so you have to be able to observe the text and know the genre in order to get to that point. If you were to take that literally, you might be like, Jesus is telling me to maim myself. Like, really? Like, I'm supposed to gouge out my eye or cut off my hand? And what he's saying is, hey, use extreme measure to cut out the sin in your life. 
What does that look like for you to use extreme measure? And, and he's, he's going above and beyond to really make, illuminate what he's trying to say and make it a big deal. Hey, I, I mean it. It's serious. Take whatever extreme measure you need to to cut that sin out of your life. He is not saying, go cut your hand off. So what Josh just did there was he pulled a one-liner that was a universal truth. So the universal truth there would be use extreme measure to cut out the sin in your life. It doesn't have to be that same line. You could use different wording. I would probably say, hey, do whatever it takes to, to make sure that you're not leading yourself into sin. Um, and so that's a great example of a universal truth. It's not just applicable then, but it's applicable now, and it's going to be applicable forever. That's the timeless truth, what the author wants to get across. And then the last one is the New Testament has priority. And what I mean by that is um, we are living in the new covenant with Jesus. And so, so Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. So a lot of times people will go back, um, take the, take the law of the old Testament and say, I got to apply all this to me, or I got to sacrifice some animals. Well, actually no, Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice and to fulfill the law. Um, so the New Testament has priority in that area. Yeah. That's yeah, great. It's really good. Okay. Well, we want to do, uh, it's been about an hour we've been in here. You guys down for a bathroom break. We're going to give you about 10 minutes to go use the restroom, get a drink. There's snacks outside and, uh, we'll be around hanging out for that 10 minutes. If you want to come find us and talk to us, you totally can. Uh, the restrooms are out. The guys, you're going to be on the right hand side. Girls, you'll be down the left and to the right. Um, and gra- feel free to grab some snacks and we'll meet you back here. We'll shoot for 10 minutes. 1040. 1040 around. Yeah, we'll shoot for around 1040-ish. All right, I think we got everybody. Um, And so we want to show you guys, this is uh, a rather humorous video that we would love for y'all to watch uh, and and love for y'all to understand the importance of knowing, reading, interpreting your Bible correctly, and, and, and just uh, your theology matters. Remember I said poor study leads to bad theology, and bad theology leads to chaotic living. I'm going to show you a video of someone that we all know, okay, that is going to say something that uh, is just, she hasn't read her Bible correctly, and she hasn't interpreted it correctly, and so she is uh, leading a whole lot of people a little sideways on it, okay? So we're going to turn the lights off, and we can hit the video. I mean, did you, did you hear her? I, I mean, I mean, it's, it really is terrible. It's, a, it's amazing to me. First off, like, uh, the whole comment, you know, I mean, his was a little bit closer, right? His was like a little bit better, but man, their whole, and even, I, I love that she even said something that we said don't do earlier. It's like, what it says to me. Okay, first off, what it says to me. And then, and then she walks into like, hey, delight just the Lord and the goodness. So if I'm just good to you, I get my Ferrari. I mean, sign me up for that, right? I would be so down for that. If I can just be good and if I can just be kind and all the wonderful things, anything that I want becomes mine. How is that going to work when, when, you, when you run into someone who's had a hard life and he's living on the street because that's the only option he has? Because your, your theology matters. Does that make sense? Is that, is that going to work when, you, uh, when you're in Africa and, and you're looking at a bunch of, of kids that maybe don't have food every day? Like, hey, just, you know, just be more kind. Be a force for kindness. <laughs> and What? First off, you never heard of Star Wars. They don't know what the force is. Second, like, man, be, be kind. Be good. And then anything that you desire will come to you. Man, that is hurtful. It's not only hurtful, it's not true, and it's going to lead someone down a, that, down a path where they start to question God's character. Because if I really believe that verse was true, and I've been kind my whole life, I've been close. 
No, uh, but if I've been kind my whole life and I've been a force for good and yet haven't seen it, I'm going to get to a point where I'm like, well, then this God is a liar and he's not true and he's not real and I will write him off entirely. Would, would anyone else get there? If, that really, if, you, if you took that verse like she did, would any of you guys land there? I absolutely know that I would. I absolutely know that if, that if I was like, oh, that, that actually has to be what it says. I, I would land in a really scary spot where I either was questioning God or questioning his goodness and, and maybe just give up on God altogether. And so, guys, it's real. Poor study leads to bad theology and bad theology leads to chaotic living. All right, I'm going to hand it over to my wonderful friend, Laura, who's going to walk us through some case studies. So since we're there, let's just start. Hi, Morgan Blake. <laughs> Let's just start at Psalm 37. Um, and we talked about study Bibles earlier. This is the Bible that we use in residency. It's the ESV study Bible. Um, highly recommend it. It can be a little bit pricey, so if you want to put it on your Christmas wish list, that's a great thing. Um, but there are other versions that are not like a big old brick, too. So ESV study Bible. Um, Psalm 37, we just talked about verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Awesome. So, ladies, obviously we know that this is not saying if I just, like, read the Bible every day and have this great emotional experience, and I'm at church every Sunday, I'm delighting myself in the Lord, I'm going to ask him, and I'm going to get the most handsome husband in the whole world. No. Is, would uh, that be your most handsome husband in the whole world? Probably. Okay. Just check in. I feel like there's better options. Yeah, there are, there are tons of better options. There are better options right here in this room because we go for godliness. Um, <laughs> Jesus juke. Wow. Okay. Anyways, Jesus juke. Jesus <laughs> juke, everyone. Uh, all right. Keep going, Laura. Okay, I'm going to need all the bachelors in, your hand, in the room to raise your hand. I'm kidding. So, <laughs> guys, this does not mean, like, if I just really, really, really want to be a professional basketball player, I can be it. Um, yeah, it's just not what it means. So let's take a look from the ESV study Bible, and I'm going to show you how incredibly simple this is. This is not something that you have to go through the residency program. Again, you do not have to go to seminary um, to understand how to interpret your Bible correctly. Psalm 37, let's start with the footnotes here. I'm going to read this to you. Um, it says, this can be called a wisdom psalm. So what is that genre? We just, we just told you it's a wisdom psalm. It's poetry. Um, because it's a hymn that reflects on themes normally dealt with in the wisdom literature. In particular, it addresses the problem caused when godless people prosper. It helps the faithful to see that it really is better to stay loyal to the Lord. A loyalty expressed in contentment, honest dealing, generosity, and just speech. The Lord will make a clear distinction between the two groups in his own time, and the faithful must wait patiently. And so it goes on to talk about the parallels in this text. So we just said that scripture, the the context for every scripture is every other scripture. Um, And so what this is saying is um, that this is a time where, let me just start with Psalm 37.1, fret not yourself because of evildoers do not be envious of wrongdoers for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb trust in the lord and do good 
Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So it's addressing the problem of when godless people prosper. He's saying, hey, trust in the Lord. And as you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to protect you. He's going to keep you safe. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Because the more you delight yourself in him, the more he will become your desire. And you're going to find out that that is what truly satisfies. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Um, so do you guys kind of see how we got there? We, we went really quickly, but um, just simple tools can help you. Um, keep you from making some grave mistakes like Oprah, God bless her, did. <laughs> okay. Got it. So we're moving on to the application piece. Does everyone remember this without looking at your notes? Poor S- study. Yeah, you're close. Poor study leads to bad theology, which leads to chaotic living. Great. Poor study leads to bad theology, which leads to chaotic living. Okay. Application. What difference does it make? Here are three principles of application that we're going to kind of dive into. Keep in mind that this is all after you've arrived at the timeless truth. So you've done all of your observation techniques. You've interpreted correctly. You've used all the awesome tools that are at your fingertips that we've given you. And you've said, hey, this is what this passage is talking about. Okay, now we're moving forward to how do I apply that to my life? Are you with me? Cool. So we're over here. We're, we're here in the modern. So we've, we've walked through. We've checked out their context. We've figured out the universal truth of this. And so now we're walking through, okay, how does this then apply to my life? What does that look like? How, how do I put wheels to it now? Uh, now that I've understood what it means, what does all that look like? And, and, and so, uh, and what she means by relevant is, is the universal truth. How is it relevant to you today? Okay, so not taking, hey, um, understanding the relevance of where you're at today is going to matter and how you use that universal truth, okay? Not stealing, if, if we said, if the law was don't steal your neighbor's horse, we're like, oh, my neighbor doesn't have a horse, but it didn't say anything about his car, I could steal his car. His mode of transportation, you understand what I'm saying? So is it relevant? Make that relevant to you today. Yeah, so three things to remember as you're determining what your application is. You're going to want it to be relevant, accurate, and concise. So if we move on to the next slide. Maybe. Got it. What do we mean by relevant? That's like just what Josh was saying. Once we've identified the universal truth... Let's go ahead and make a determination that's practical um, and that applies to a contemporary need. And we'll dig in a little bit later to kind of um, move through some examples to help you understand that. But just like, hey, how, can, how is this relevant to me today? Yes, food sacrifice to idols in Scripture is like kind of really weird, and it's like, hey, that doesn't make any sense. But we can look and, and dive in once we've found a universal truth, like what is the Lord trying to say about himself what is he trying to say about um, his character, and how can we apply that to our lives today? Okay. And the next slide, Sorry. we want it to be accurate. So don't compromise the universal truth to produce a desired result. How many times have you guys been in a conversation with your friend, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this scripture, and I kind of remember that I didn't really say that, but then you use it and kind of twerk it just a little bit to uh, twerk it. I mean, tweak it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's twerking it. Miley Cyrus no probably one is twerking it. it. You tweak the scripture to, uh, 
to, to produce. <laughs> She's nervous, ladies and gentlemen. She's not twerking it. I promise. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, to produce a desired result, avoid all extremes. If you're reading a scripture that says, um, that talks about the poor, um, you don't, you want to avoid the extreme of like, man, okay, I need to apply this verse. I'm going to sell everything that I have and I'm going to go live in a cardboard box because scriptures has just told me to, to care for the poor. So I'm going to give all everything away. So just avoid extremes. Know that you can, you can rely on, um, your community, um, to, to help you arrive at a, a good application for your life. Um, a majority of the time, an accurate application is somewhere in the middle of those extremes. So concise, you're going to work to establish a specific, concrete, and if possible, measurable plan of action. If I've just read First John in my quiet time and said, oh, wow. This, this passage talks about love, and it says um, that you, they'll know me by my love. And uh, going through, if, if I leave my quiet time that talks about love and say, okay, man, I just need to love more. Okay, how do I do that? I'm kind of missing it because four hours later, you're not even going to remember what you read in your quiet time. So as you're, as you're walking through scriptures and you've come to... Um, a concise application. What you're gonna, what you're gonna want to do, is to stop and say, okay, what are some easy steps? If my goal is to love more, as I'm conforming to the image of Christ, as I'm taking in the Word of God to transform my heart. If my goal is to love more, what are some practical things that I can do to love better, to love the people in my life better? If I know that my roommate likes a clean house, what are some steps that I can take to show her that I love her and that I care for her? I can make a rotation that says I do the dishes every, every other day. Um, and so just making practical steps towards application that are not like, okay, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to love more. Um, do you guys know First Peter 5, 18? 5, 8, actually. Let's go 5, 8. So it says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So if I've just read that and said, oh, man, I'm going to be more self-controlled and alert, do you think that's going to be fruitful? No. Okay, how can I be more self-controlled? How can I be more alert? How can I be on guard knowing that my enemy is Roaring, he's he's roaming around like a prowling lion, looking for someone to devour. Um, okay, if I know my temptation is lust, I'm gonna be intentional to set up boundaries so that I can help myself be more self-controlled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna pray intentionally. I'm gonna write that verse somewhere where I'm gonna remember it when I walk away um, and meditate on it over and over and over. I'm gonna talk to the people in my community group. I'm going to make specific action points to be more self-controlled, to be more alert. Does that make sense? Awesome. Great. I love it, man. You guys are so nice. <laughs> All right. I want to I talk about some hindrances, like what makes it hard to apply things. 
And, and so we, we understand how it's relevant to me. We understand that we, we've made sure that it's accurate, that I'm not uh, applying something completely off that I know actually truthfully what it's saying. And, and, and then uh, that it's concise, that if I have a plan of action. And, and, and the first one is, hey, it's, it's easy for me to like, look at things inside of Scripture and just be like, man, there's just too many differences. Like, I'm not anything like what they were that was before Jesus came. They lived in a very different time. Our culture is completely differently. And so then I write it off as to like, hey, I'm not going to apply it to my life just because there's too many things in the way for it to. There's no way that because what was true to them can truly apply for me today. And another one is just plain ignorance. I just don't know. Right? I just don't know really what it means. I'm unaware of what it means. And that is an obvious barrier of why um, you're not going to apply it. Because you don't know what it, is you, what it is you're reading. What it is the universal truth of it is. And another one is the cultural pressure. And this one... Uh, this one's big today. This one's big for us because uh, I, can, I read my Bible and I know that the truth of the word is that, hey, I was designed for sex inside of marriage, but all of my friends are sleeping with their girlfriends. And it's like weird if I don't. They're like, no, man, it makes sense, right? Like it's before marriage. You got to figure that stuff out beforehand. You know, it's a little scary. Like live with her for a while before. That's like, it's a big deal, right? And like you're, you're an idiot if you don't. And so the cultural pressure, what really does feel like is truth inside of our culture, right, might be directly, like, applying that might be just crazy hard. Because I'm like, wait, the world's saying it's true, and the Bible is saying something, is saying it's not true, right? So a cultural pressure, I, I think, is really harder than you might think and plays a bigger deal into how well we apply it to our lives or how, or, um, how willing we are to apply it to our lives than you might think. If you, if you think in your mind, like, man, what are the things that the world tells me? E- even when it comes to, like, my job, money is a big one. Money is a sensitive spot, right? And, and, and I might, that might be a sensitive spot for people in the room, even myself, of like, man, my money, I just feel like it's mine. I don't, I don't really want to give it to anyone else because I've earned it and I've worked really hard for it and it needs to stay in my bank account, right? And the Bible says, hey, that's, that's actually mine. I've allowed you to be the steward of that money, right? But it really is mine. But man, it's hard. And it's really hard when I'm driving a 97 Saturn and my friend's got a BMW. Okay? That's when things get like, my air conditioner doesn't even work. That's a real story. Uh, <laughs> but um, like, that's when like, it gets hard with that whole like, money thing. Is this God's? What does that look like? Right? And another one is just hardness of heart. It's just a simple fact like, I don't want to. Because uh, the things that the Bible, applying this word to my life, is going to make me either A, uncomfortable it's not going to be fun. It's going to be really hard. I may do things that uh, might not be cool. And, and, and I'm, but we're here saying, guys, hey, this, this, is, this is God's word we're talking about. This is the truth. This is our, our lives today are like Jesus compares it to a breath on a cold day. And gone, right? In comparison to eternity. And yet we're sitting here making decisions because it might make me uncomfortable. And it might make me not cool if I keep driving my 97 Saturn right? Or, or whatever these things. And so uh, I think for me, that's a big one of like, man, I like read it and I've got to the point where I learned how to read my Bible and interpret it correctly, but I don't want to. Another way to put that is laziness. That's totally oh, me. Yeah. I'm just like being lazy. Like I'm going to read this, but I don't want to apply it. So check, read my Bible, but here I go. I'm not about to apply any of it. So that's a huge thing for me of just being careful um, and knowing that 
it's going to be hard to apply these principles. It's going, it's not, like, being a believer is not easy. And so being able to read scripture and say, okay, how do I apply this to my life is huge. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I want you to, to know that we all, we, we all have these. Like, these aren't hindrances to just you. Don't think that you're unique inside of these. And like, oh, that's hard for me to apply because of this. That's not, that's not just you. And so uh, write, them, write them down. Look at them. Maybe even, like, highlight, hey, this one, this one to me is probably why it's going to be hard for me to apply it to my life. As I read and I know my Bible truthfully, this is why it'll be hard for me. Uh, because it's great to know, hey, where is it? Where are the things that I run into here that are hard? And, 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 and hopefully today we're helping you move just like, man, one step further down the, down the line of like ignorance. I hope today you can walk by and like, hey, I actually do know how to walk through and find out what the truth is here, right? And then just like think about those other ones and where it might be hard for you to apply them. Yeah, and so if you'll, um, this handout that we gave you, that looks like this. Does everyone have that? There's some more at the back. We printed off some more if you guys need it. Um, So what we've just talked about is under the application piece, and you can see those hindrances. And another, another thing listed there is roadblocks. And so these are things really to just, like, pray against, to be on guard against. Um, want to point out a few of those under roadblocks. Do y'all see where I am? You see interpretation at the top of the page, and then there's application. And then you see the little bullet points there. Yeah, it looks like it. Did you guys find it? Great. Awesome. Okay, so affirmation without activation. That's like reading a passage and saying, man, that feels really good, and then you just walk away. So again, going back to that application piece, how can I truly apply this to my life? So don't just have your quiet time. Oh, I'm so filled up. The Lord taught me so much. And then, okay, bye. Um, And then Christianity without Christ-likeness. We're going to talk later a little bit about being a smarter sinner. And so knowing that the purpose for reading your Bible and the purpose for wanting to interpret it correctly is to become more like Christ is to be that man of God who is thoroughly equipped, like 2 Timothy 2.15 says, able to correctly handle the word of truth. You want to become more like Christ and not just know all the right things to say. So being on guard against Christianity without Christ-likeness. How many of you guys are going to be more likely to, to hear truth from somebody if you know that they're not rude and arrogant and stuck up? Me? Yeah. Me too. But if that person is humble, if that person, um, man, just has a sweet spirit, if that person is really good at loving people, if that person looks like Christ, I am so much more likely to listen and to, to receive truth from them. And so being on guard against Christianity, knowing the right things to say without actually becoming more like Christ, things you can pray, pray about. And then emotion without volition is that fourth one that I want to highlight again, just like reading that, man, that feels really good. I feel so filled up, but I don't have anything to actually um, put some pep in my step and actually apply this to my life. So things to pray through. Yeah. Yeah, so affirmation without activation is sitting there saying, hey, I affirm, like, I believe, God, I believe that what you're teaching me here is good. I see it. I'm affirming that this is a truth. And then I'm not doing anything about it. So if I read James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 
man, I need to do that. And then I walk away and my boss is talking and I start interrupting him every five minutes because I'm angry and I need to tell him what's on my mind. Okay, how am I actually taking the truth that I've learned in that passage and putting legs to it, being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become, slow to become angry? Could be. Could be your dad's like, hey, your room is a mess. I'm like, you're right. It is a mess. And then I walk away. No, hang on, hang on. Hey, he's like, hang, hang on a second. Your room is a mess, and, and therefore I want you to, to not be a mess, okay? I mean, it really is the same thing. Like, yeah, I, I believe that. I've been there. I've been like, oh, yeah, that's totally true. Great. The end, right? And so, uh, and, and, and that, just, that just wouldn't work in my house, and, and, and that's what she's saying. It's like, it's not going to work for God, too. We're like, hey, that, I believe that to be true. Dad says, hey, your room, your room is a mess. You should pick it up. I'm like, you're right. It is a mess. I should pick it up. I've studied, I've studied ways to clean my room. I just yeah, yeah. Done. I've thought about ways to clean my room. I've, I've thought about how helpful it would be. I've had friends over and we've talked about it. And it's been incredible. And we've really walked through this study of how awesome that would be. And, and I just think it would make you feel better. And it would make me feel better. And then I don't pick up my room. It's like, wow, you missed it. Does that make sense? I mean, like, it's, it really is just like, oh, you, you are so right, Dad. And, I've, and you've studied, and it's all been great, but yet you haven't activated it. Um, man, we, we've got to. He says, hey, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. Yeah, and so James one twenty two is a great one for you guys to write down. I have that written at the very front of my Bible, and it just says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so just reading the Bible is not enough. Scripture, James one twenty two says that you're deceiving yourself if you're doing that. So do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Great. Okay, and so we're sticking in those handouts for just a second. If you want to turn to the next page that says real world scenarios... We're going to kind of walk through some of these together. Okay, scenario one, you've been reaching out to and praying for a friend for a while. Finally, she accepts your invitation and goes to church with you where she hears the gospel. The Holy Spirit is clearly moving in her heart, and it is obvious she is ready to respond. You ask her if she's ready to place her faith in Christ, and she says, yes, but I don't know how. Which scripture passage do you point her to and why? A, Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. B is Romans 10.9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. C, Mark 13, 13, everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm at the end will, will be saved. So this is where your listening skills come. <laughs> He's holding up a C. This is where your listening skills come into play. Um, you ask her if she's ready to place her faith in Christ, and she says, yes, but I don't know how. Um, and so in that, how many of you guys have ever been in a situation where like, someone else is talking and the whole time you're just thinking of what you're going to say next? That's bad. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's something that I've had to really discipline myself because my thoughts can just go a million miles a minute or wherever else. And, and that I've actually realized that that's right, rooted in pride if I'm sitting there thinking about what I'm going to say next. And so truly stepping back and listening, hey, what's going on here? And then I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide me from the word that I've studied. 
um, before moving forward. And so the answer there, do you guys know it? It's B. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Well, well, why can't it be the other ones? Yeah, that's a great question, Paige. How many of you guys? How many of you guys would fight for A or A or C? Five, 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 four. He said. He's like, I like to argue. I'm just kidding. I really do. Yeah, that's a, yeah. So he said, everyone who everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Yes, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming against you, especially if you've experienced this with new believers. As they're coming to Christ, there are going to be so many things that come in the way. The enemy is out to get that person because he's terrified of what's about to happen. And um, so I would say, yes, that verse is true. But in this circumstance, you want to be intentional and careful to listen to her. She's asking, how can I be saved? And so while that verse is true, that's not going to be the applicable text to this situation. Does that make sense? And, and, and we, we, we put this in here. So Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. The, the context of that, he's actually speaking to believers. Okay, he's actually talking about believers as they, uh, and that the, the really fun book that we all know super well, Revelation. He's actually in the context of these speaking to believers here when we stand at the door and knock, and he will open. And then Mark 13, 13, he's really just talking about, hey, as, as you guys, as the apostles are going and walking and standing in front of authorities, right? That, hey, you are going to run into, you're going to run into opposition. You're going to run into these things. And then Romans 9 through 10, it, it works the best because of our context here. He's, he's talking talking to the church of Rome and he's talking to unbelievers here when he's, and he says, hey, this is how you do it. This is, this is literally how you put your faith in the Lord. He says, um, if you declare with your mouth Jesus and Lord and believe in your heart, he's actually walking them through, what does it look like for me to put my faith in the Lord? And so that's why, because of context in here is why uh, B is the one that if, if you know and understand what's happening, then Romans 10, 9 through 10 is the one that fits when you're speaking to this girl. Does that make sense? Romans in general is a book about, it's, it's theology. So if you ever wonder about the Christian faith and you want solid theology, go to Romans. And Paul's going to tell you about salvation. He's going to tell you about sin. He's going to tell you about sanctification, justification, glorification. Big words for like, hey, what's the point that we become a Christian? How do we do that? Um, the first three chapters is sin, like understanding, oh, crap, I need, I need a Savior. I'm that bad. And so... Um, so there, Romans theology, how to be saved, is going to be there. I'm going to jump ahead here to so just a few. This is just the verse that we had for uh, when we were talking about, hey, it being uh, relevant, concise, and then affirmation without um, activation is this one, Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say, right? Uh, and then this one here, so Habakkuk 1.5 is one that I actually wanted to like walk through with you guys and, 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 and get the full understanding of this, okay? So this is a cool verse. I'm going to... Uh, read it to you. I got it all wrote down. So, uh, look, 
among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. And so I've seen this verse on the back of like summer camps shirts, and it's been like that. That sounds awesome. Doesn't it? Like, man, God's going to do something so awesome in my day that no one's ever even heard of it or it's been told before. This, like, I, I'm so down for that. I'll, I'll tattoo that on my body if that's really the truth, right? And I'm so pumped about it. Now, if we were to understand the context of what's happening in Habakkuk, Habakkuk was a prophet way back in the day in the tribe of Judah, okay, when they had turned absolutely away from the Lord. Like they, they had turned to other gods. They had said, hey, we're, we, um, we don't believe in you. We are, we are headed here. We're worshiping false gods and false idols. And they had absolutely turned away from a God who had led them out of Egypt, who had parted waters for them. And Habakkuk's the one prophet in there saying, hey, I need you to hear this. Now read the next, I'll read the next verse for you. For I am, behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. God's saying, you're getting a spanking and it's going to be bad. I mean, he, he says, hey, I, I, I'm going to spank you and it's going to hurt. I need you to know like these nasty, he actually calls them nasty Chaldeans. I am raising them up to take over your land because you have turned and forsaken me. Does that verse feel a little different now? It feels a whole lot different. He's like, it's going to be amazing how bad this hurts. <laughs> Seriously, it really is what he's saying. Hey, it, this, is, this is going to be incredible how bad this is going to hurt. Literally, no one's ever been told how bad this is going to hurt. Okay, and, 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 as we, and I'm like, man, the, the difference that that makes in, in the way that I read that, the, in the fact that I'm, I'm no longer putting that on my T-shirts at summer camp. Are you guys? I'm, I don't think I'm putting it, I'm not tattooing on my body. I'm not a fan of spankings. It's been a while, <laughs> thankfully, but I'm not a fan of them, okay? But I, I'm, not, I'm not tattooing this on my body anymore because, man, he's understanding. And the universal truth of this, as you're like, man, well, that was just to the tribe of Judah back in that day when they were forsaking the Lord. I'm not part of the tribe of Judah. I haven't forsaken the Lord. What does that mean for me today? The universal truth here is, hey, God is faithful and just, Okay, in, in, in uh, punishing sin, that he's not like sin. God doesn't ignore sin. It's not like, hey, we, we sinned and, and it's just been forgotten. Hey, God is faithful and he is just. He, he, is, he is a just judge. He doesn't stand in front of there and just like, well, I'll forget about your sin. Even as we think about our sin on the cross, God didn't forget about it. He was faithful and just to give the punishment for that. It just happened that he, in his love and his graciousness and his kindness, put the punishment on his son. Does that make sense? And so the universal truth here, hey, God is faithful and he's going to be just. He doesn't let you get away with sin. And, and does that, could, could you guys apply that to your life today? I know that I could. I know that I could apply that to my life today if I understood the universal truth here is God's going to be faithful to, to make sure that I'm not getting away with my sin, that he's going to punish it. Okay, but... Um, once again, we understood the context of it, of, hey, Habakkuk was a prophet in the tribe of Judah, understanding how bad they're about to get spanked. And suddenly the universal truth is God's faithful and just to punish sin. And so now that applies to my life today. That starts to change how I deal with the sin in my life. Awesome. So you have another handout. Yep. And we're kind of jumping around through the handouts. It's going to be, mine looks a little bit different than yours because I've skipped ahead of you. But it's the one with all the blanks. Do you all like have the, that one? Little blanks you can fill in. Will you hold yours up? The one pager. Yes. Thank you, Vanna White. 
Chris. It's Chris. Chris. His middle name is Vanna White. Oh. Um, okay, so we're going to let you guys kind of talk amongst yourselves. You may recognize some of these verses um, that you've seen, but we want to kind of give you a chance to think through. It's okay to not have the all the right answers, but to think through, maybe just pick out one of these and um, try to come up with what it does not mean and what it does mean. So an example, Matthew 7, 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. How many of you guys have seen a t-shirt that says only God can judge me? Yeah. Okay. I've only, you said you got a tattoo of it? Oh, <laughs> I heard that over here. I heard someone's like, I got that tattooed right here. Okay, so this, this really is what we'd love to have you do. Like, circle up with like the few people around you and see if you can be like, hey, let's look at this and let's talk about what this means, okay? And let's see if we, if we can understand what that means. And we'll just go through like the, the first, we'll probably just, let's say the first four, pick one of the first four and we'll uh, pick one of those, walk through that with the people next to you and then we'll walk through it with you guys on the stage. I'll give you, let's say, five minutes. Yeah. Five Response? Yep. Great. Five minutes. You got five minutes. We walk through that, and then we'll walk through it up here. All right. We're going to walk through. Miss Laura is going to walk through uh, some of these first four with you guys and just talk about them. We won't go like, go, like super, super, super in-depth to them, but we'll walk, we'll walk through them and, uh, and see if you guys, man, uh, how, that's, how that went for you guys, and you can understand how she got there in the context of them. And then I, I, I hope that you take this sheet home. I really do. I hope that you take this sheet home and you do some, uh, all, I, I know homework sounds miserable, but I hope that you take this sheet home and, and, you, and you do your homework to where like you fill out, you're like, oh, that is why that says that. That is what that's saying. Uh, because I think just that little tiny ones, and these are, these are all fairly simple, will just get you in the habit and like start to grow those skills for yourself. Ready, Laura? I know. It's so fun. I love that you guys are um, talking and having so much fun with this. This is really fun for us, too. Um, So Luke 11, 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I'm going to breeze by this one. What it does not mean, what I wrote is, whatever you ask for, promotion, the perfect spouse, wealth, God will give it to you. Oh, man. (laughs) Sorry, Josh. What it does mean is ask for my kingdom and you'll have it. Matthew 7, 1, my favorite. Do not judge or you too will be judged. What it does not mean is I do what I want and you can't say anything about it. Only God can judge me. Yes? Absolutely. Yeah. We have another one that's very similar. Can I go back to it? Okay, awesome. Paige, will you make sure I remember to go back to it? Uh-huh. Thank you for asking that. Um, so what it does not mean is I do what I want and you can't say anything about it. Only God can judge me. What it does mean is only God can pronounce someone ultimately guilty. And we are to be on guard against having judgmental attitudes. And so in that, I'm going to read from you Dr. Constable's notes. Um, on some of the websites, uh, soniclight.org, some of the stuff that we showed you on, on the back page of your handout, Dr. Constable says, Jesus taught his disciples not to be judgmental of one another in view of the high standards that he was clarifying. He did not mean that they should accept everything and everyone uncritically. 
Neither did he mean, obviously, that parents, church leaders, and civil authorities are wrong if they pass judgment on those under their care. He meant that his disciples should not do God's job of passing judgment for him when he has not authorized them to do so. They really could not, since no one but God knows all the facts that motivate people to do as they do. So, expounding on this one just a little bit. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Is that saying if I go to my community group and say, hey, I just robbed Chase Bank. Laura's in my community. What would you say to me? I don't think that she'd be like, man, well, I can't judge you. So great job. (laughs) No, absolutely not. We are called Ezekiel 33 calls us to be watchmen on the tower to look out for danger. Um, And. That does not mean that we can just do whatever you want and no one can speak into our lives. What it does mean is that, hey, I cannot say, you're going to hell. You're not a Christian. That's God's job to pronounce someone guilty. Oh, you did a really bad thing? I'm a little worried about you. That's not okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. Awesome. Proverbs twenty two six. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. I wrote, what it does not mean is if you raise your children right, he'll be the perfect. Uh, if you raise your child right, he'll be the perfect Christian forever and ever. Do any of you guys have kids? Awesome, like three people, three people. I don't have any kids, but I for sure was not the sweet little perfect innocent child that my mom thought that I was going to be for a lot of my life. Um, And she did a great job raising me. What it does mean is, hey, as a parent, your original and early moral influence is going to have a lasting impact on on your kids. So a proverb is a literary device where a general truth is brought to bear on a specific situation. So many of the proverbs are not absolute guarantees, but they express truths that um that are conditioned by circumstances um is that kind of clear i know we're kind of having we only have like 20 minutes left so we're flying through some of these um let's move on and do one more matthew eighteen twenty. for where two or three come together in my name there i am with them Okay, how many of you guys have used this? I have too. I think, I don't know if I actually stopped and really understood the context until working on teaching this class, to be honest with you. So just to be real about, hey, we're all learning together. Um, if two of us are here, that means God is here. Okay, is that true? Yes. Is that what the scripture is saying? No. If we just walked through Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, we see we've just learned a picture of a biblical um, conflict resolution. He's saying, hey, if someone has sinned against you, if your brother sinned against you, go and tell him his fault. And then if he refuses to listen, bring two or three other people with you. And if he still refuses to listen, get the church involved. Um, And then if he still refuses to listen, then treat him as an unbeliever. And so what this does mean is Jesus is affirming that he'll, he'll be divinely present among his disciples as they seek unity in rendering decisions um, to where two or three are, are gathered. It's really in terms of church discipline, whether or not 
Um, it's saying, hey, you don't have to be physically at Watermark, and it doesn't have to be the elder or the pastor of the church. Where two or three are gathered, um, the Lord's going to honor the decision that they come to that's, that's biblical, that's unified. Is that kind of clear? So that Luke eleven nine just to just to help there with uh, what does it mean for his kingdom to come? What really seems ask, seek, and knock, right? These are like these are real things that he's doing, and, and, and those words are actually like he's saying it's an it's an action word of prayer. So like, hey, what does it look like for you to be in continual prayer as you are walking through hard things? So us as believers, as we are knocking, seeking, asking for God, and who is a good Father, it's not that God is as you are sitting there asking, hey, I I I need you in this moment. Hey, I continually, and, and really what he's saying is, hey, I want you to be in continual prayer. Uh, a continual prayer here for me, and then, and then the promises that and it will be given to you is that he's not up there being like, hey, um, as you're sitting there, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna help you at all. I'm just gonna sit here with my hands tied behind my back. He actually says, hey, I'm a good father. I won't give if my son asks me for a piece of bread. I'm not giving him a stone. And says, hey, if we are willing to and continue to walk in prayer. Right? And continually ask for him, continue to be active inside of that, that he, he, he will come. Like it, it's not, he isn't leaving us out to, stringing us out to dry. We aren't out there by ourselves and said, hey, ask me, seek me. More than anything, that, that verse is about, hey, I'm, I, I want you to be continually seeking, knocking, and coming back to me. Just like I did with, with my dad growing up. He's like, man, come ask me. Come find me. Come, come, come ask, what do I do in this situation? Because he says, hey, as you do that, then I, I will be there. I'm not going to refuse my presence from you. I'm not going to refuse my wisdom from you. Does that make sense? And, and, you're, and, and it, says it will be given to you. And that's him speaking of God. Hey, I, I want you to be continually coming to me. Don't, don't leave yourself on an island. Um, but he says, hey, keep coming. Keep continually praying for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so, yeah, just to over-clarify, Matthew 7, this is repeated again. Um, And if any of you guys are on the journey, actually did a journey on prayer specifically. Ah, love it. Um, So this is not saying, hey, you can only ask for, for the kingdom. Do I pray as a single woman for a godly husband? Absolutely. Um, it's not wrong to pray for things, but it is, there is like a, a, a carefulness that I'm going to approach that. And I'm going to say, Hey God, but your will be done in Luke 11. He had, the disciples had just asked, how do we pray? And he said, he said, here's how you should pray. And so asking that the Lord's kingdom, that, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm asking for daily provision. So if you're asking if it's okay to pray for things, absolutely. Um, but, but aligning your heart with what scripture teaches to pray for, is that, um, helpful? Yay. And we would love to chat more about that. So, all right. We wanted to show you guys a video of, of a guy who walks through a super common, uh, verse and, um, one that we've probably all used or at least seen used. All right. We hit that. Does that help? Does that make sense? The context of that help you? Does understanding, oh my goodness, like that was for the nation of Israel while they're in exile for a promise another 70 years? Does that put that verse in context for you? Does it, does it change how you apply it? I mean, I, I know it does for me, and I see this verse uh, everywhere. And, and it's incredible to me that uh, I love the way he said it. I think it's weird that we just rip it out, and then we decide it's going to be for us. He's like, wait a second, man, understanding, hey, a universal truth here is that, man, God is faithful, right, to his promises. He has promised Israel that he would take them back to their land here. But, he, but he's, what he's not saying is like, hey, 
you want that Ferrari, man? You got it. Right? Like my friend Oscar said, hey, just, man, get up there and say something where I get all my, all a bunch of free money and get whatever I want. If you could just say that up there, I would love that. Right? Right, Oscar? Oscar would love it. I would love it. But that's not, that's not the truth of it. We understand the truth of it now, and so it, it is going to change in how I apply and we apply it to our lives. Yeah. Um, so just a side note, if some of you, um, if you've heard this verse before, I remember learning it in middle school and just being like, oh, that has all the feels. This is great. Um, I actually have so many conversations with girls my age who are like, yeah, and, but I read Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and so I know it's going to be okay. And it's like, okay, so let me, let's step back just a little bit. Let's read verse 10. And let me just tell you that that verse it is the application today would be for someone who's living in the consequences of sin. So there is an applicable truth once we've found that timeless truth. When you're living in the, the consequences of sin, the Lord is like, hey, I know it hurts, but I have not forgotten my promise to you. And my plans for you are good. I'm going to use this. Go to the next slide. We're going to see Romans 8:28, another common one. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Feels good, right? That's awesome. So the context, you guys can dig into this more at home, but just to zoom out a little bit, the context is is really talking about the assurance of hope and suffering. So when we have an eternal perspective, when we have our eyes, our minds fixed on a future glory, um, we can truly know and understand that God is going to work everything out. Um, for our good and for his glory. Um, So verse 18, we can look ahead and see, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us. And then we can look after, verse 29 is, is, um, does someone have that open? Will you read verse 29? What I want to highlight here is that the good is referring not to earthly comfort. It's not saying, hey, it's going to work out for good. You just lost your job, but eventually you're going to get a brand new house and a white picket fence, and you're going to live this comfortable, easy life. Um, The good here is talking about conformity to Christ. So he's going to work this out for your good in that you're going to become more like Christ through this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Yeah, so in that we've given you, I know Paige walked you through, feels like forever ago, but just observation, interpretation, and then we, we moved through application. This is another tool, just looking before and after the verse to understand context. Great. Clear? Hey, as we're, uh, as we're getting close to finishing up, this is, uh, will you walk through this one really fast for us? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to walk you through this and then hand it over to Josh. So another cool technique as you're reading and saying, how the heck do I apply this to my life? You put your specs on to read. And part of it got a little cut off, so it's on your oh. hand now. Whoops. Oh, okay. Yep. Thanks, Paige. So, S, is there a sin to confess? As I'm reading this, is there something that the Lord is saying, hey, this is sinful, and do I need to confess it? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an example to follow? C is command. Is there a command to obey? 
And the S is there a stumbling block to avoid what I mean by that? Is there something that the Lord is saying, hey, this could potentially lead me to sin? The whole book of Proverbs talks about the adulterous woman, the the wayward woman, and, and being careful. So clearly I would look and say, hey, there's a stumbling block to avoid. Um, is that all clear? Using the specs. Gotta watch those adulterous women. <laughs> So this is, this is a really cool tool as we're just looking through scripture, scripture saying, how do I apply this? We can kind of ask ourselves those questions. All right, I want to give you, and we'll, we'll walk through this real quick and hopefully let you out a little tiny bit early, is 10 mistakes to avoid. That should be in your handouts, I believe, in the back. You guys can find it. You can just walk through me with these because I think these are great. Are they there? Great. So the first one is contextual. So this one's really uh, easy to understand. Stay away from the two extremes of either ignoring the context altogether or assuming that because the context uh, is not the same, like the context of when that scripture was being written isn't the same, that I can learn nothing from it. Uh, the second one is exemplary, meaning that we should not assume that was once true for one is always true for all. So just because Daniel got to hang out with lions and didn't die probably does not mean I should jump in with the lions at the zoo. Okay, so it was, it was true for him, but it's not true for me today. Does that make sense? But I would come watch it if you did. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> did you hear that? Okay. Uh, then, then to now, make sure the work, the process of interpretation to accurately apply passages, don't directly jump from observing it to application. So, uh, whoop, it's not there, but the universal truth piece, remember, that's a very, that is how we get from what it was, what was the original audience, what is the timeless truth, and then how do I apply it, but don't go from just observing it to then applying it to your life. Read a response. We talked about this a little bit, but this is just, a, guys, I, I'm asking you to, to really think about how many times this, you've even said this or thought it, but we should not be asking, what does this mean to you? But we should be asking, what does this mean? What is it really saying? And do the hard work to figure that out. And then from there, walking into applying it to your life. Number five is word study. So this one's easy. If you don't know your Hebrew and Greek, man, you don't, like, we don't need you to try and, and, and be that person. Once you be secure in who you are, you don't need to be like, well, in the Hebrew, it could have meant this. Hey, your, your English translation of it is accurate. And you can go, and there's some, there is some fullness that Hebrew and Greek and understanding that gives you for sure. Absolutely. But, um, but please don't think you need to be that if you're going to understand your Bible, that you need to understand all of your Hebrew and Greek. Uh, spiritual, so this one's the stay away from Christian allegory. So things go sideways fast. So unless you're like C.S. Lewis or Paul Bunyan and can write like Chronicles of Narnia or Pilgrim's Progress, when you begin to take stories and put a spiritual meaning into them, boy, you can get real sideways real fast about, hey, what does that mean? And, and you may end up using a story that doesn't really work that great. So I would say, hey, man, just kind of stay away from, from doing that all together. Uh, this one's very easy. What it says versus what it teaches. Okay, will you turn to Psalm 14.1? This one's great for me. <clears throat> what it says versus what it teaches. Sorry, I should have had you pull it up. And so this is, there, there's, a, there's a very big difference between what the Bible can say. I actually believe... And, I, and there may come a day that I will do this where I, I'm going to take the Bible and see if I can use it out of context. I'm going to see if I can use all the little things the Bible says out of context and prove that the world is flat. Okay, just to just to show just to like prove a point of like, hey, man, if taken out of context, you can use this thing to say whatever you'd like it to. What does it say? Fourth? It says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Hang on a minute. So if I just highlight it in there, there is no God. You're telling me my Bible tells me that there is no God? It's what it says. It's not what it's teaching. Does that make sense? Fantastic. Don't focus on security, so don't get lost in the weeds here. Don't like pick one little tiny verse out in the middle of nowhere, and it's just that verse, and you're like, man, I'm just going to really talk about how we are married to Christ, and it's got to mean like my marriage today and how well that's going to go. Let's not do that. Been there, done that. <laughs> Been there, done that. I, hope, I, I pray this for all of us, that we never get to a point where like, man, I know my Bible well enough uh, and, and I understand it, that like, man, I, I don't need to go further and deeper into it. Remember, I, I told you about the moon and observing it for 30 days and then through the telescope and then landing on the moon, how much more you would learn, but then how much more you would realize you don't know. Uh, I, I pray that, that that is our hearts. And the last one is uh, gaining knowledge from the text. So we don't want to be smarter sinners here, but gaining knowledge, but not experiencing any transformation. So basically, I know more about it. I know what it's saying. Remember that hardness of heart I talked about? Um, I know what it's saying. I know what's true, but yet I haven't made any actions. My dad's told me my room would be better cleaned up. Yeah, but I haven't done anything for it. Right. Yes, Francis Chan. Yes. So I don't. We aren't, we aren't, the whole goal here is not to be smarter sinners or just knowing my Bible better and because of that, I'm, but I'm still living in sin. So the last thing uh, that I really wanted to say, first off, Laura wrote, uh, and you guys can, if you can see it, great. If not, you can just ask us or talk to us afterwards. You can get a hold of us at our uh, emails here. So mine is jtims, T-H-A-M-E-S at watermark.org, Paige Weichel, P. Weichel, so just our first initial and then our last name at watermark.org. And then the last thing. I understand this has been a lot, okay? And you've been sitting here, you've been crazy attentive. Thank you for that. And thank you for being gracious to us and not uh, making this feel silly. I also get that we've given you a whole lot and you might be like, man, that's so much. Like um, Laura's even said, I, I was nervous to pick up my Bible when I started the residency because I was like, oh no, what if I'm reading it incorrectly? Man, I, I, I my hope, my desire, our desire is that if you walk out of this room just one step, man, I'm going to start checking out context a little bit, or I'm just going to know who wrote it before you read it. Man, that is, that is a win. Please don't think that like, oh no, I gotta, I'm so nervous. I can't pick up my Bible and I, I, I can't even read it because I don't know for sure. Man, I, we would ask you guys, if you walk out of here really with one thing, I, I'm going to start doing this, or I understand this a little better and I'm going to begin to start applying that. Man, that's a huge win for us because I know it can be a little intimidating hearing things. Yeah, and this is a process. This is not like yep. you walk out of here and tomorrow you're going to dive in and have to do everything. I mean, I tried that once I learned how to do, read my Bible like this, and I was like, I'm done. I don't know what this means. Like, forget this. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And so if you leave knowing how to figure out who the author is, like, that is awesome. Yep. If you leave figuring out who the recipients are, like, so cool. So know that it's a process. It's not like a, oh my gosh, bam, now I have to learn all of this and know how to do it. You don't have to be a scholar in it. Just ask questions. And I'm not saying anything that they haven't just said, but, but like Josh just mentioned, for residency, when I jumped in, there was this little time period where I was literally afraid to read my Bible because I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going to do this wrong. And all of a sudden, the thing that I trusted the most throughout life, I couldn't trust anymore because I didn't trust my ability to interpret it. So walk away from here knowing, like, you do not have to be fearful. Philippians 1.6, three things that I want you guys to remember these verses. Philippians 
1, 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Like Paige just mentioned, this is a process. Everything in our life, as far as spiritual growth, is a process. So just take one step closer to becoming more equipped to more accurately interpreting your Bible and, and handling the word of truth. You don't have to be perfect right now. Um, it's a process. Same with, with this sin struggle. You make strides towards becoming more like Christ, and, and you're not expected to be perfect. Um, John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Um, if you have seen a father teach his child how to walk, can you imagine the, the, the toddler or the, the little one-year-old starting to learn how to walk and then falling down, stumbling in the dad, like yelling at the kids saying, hey, you're doing it wrong. You, you can't get it together. No. What he does is he's like, man, he's walking. Oh, my goodness. The, the child is walking. I'm so excited. And he walks over and he grabs his hand. And he helps him up. and He's like, I'm going to keep teaching you to walk. I'm going to walk with you. And so in that, that's the same way that the Lord looks at you. Just know that he loves you so, 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 so much. So whatever it is, if it's interpreting your scripture or battling a sin struggle, just know that the Lord is looking on you like his child. You have, if you've accepted his promise, if you have accepted Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, and you are a believer, you are a Christ follower, the Bible says that you have the right to become a children, a child of God. You are a child of God. He looks on you. He's a good father. He loves you the way that a father loves a child and so much more. And the last thing before Josh and um, praise us out is James 1 5 if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God who gives generously to all my version says without finding fault and it will be given to him and so just know um where we were talking about Luke eleven nine. 9 like you can ask the Lord for things that are in line with his will and he's 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 so much more excited about giving you wisdom the Lord is so much more excited about teaching you to correctly interpret scripture than you are so just know that he wants you to know this stuff more than you want to know it. So you can pray and ask him for wisdom and trust that he's going to answer that prayer. Great. All right. One last time. Poor study leads to bad theology and bad theology leads to. All right, guys, we've got it. We want to be able to use and handle his word well and correctly. I, I hope that you have been able to learn something, that you walk out of here empowered and encouraged, that you are able to know and read your Bible better. Please come talk to us. We would love that. And, and also know, guys, we have been given the Holy Spirit, a, a helper to help us in this. We are, we are not alone, okay? This isn't us on an island by ourselves. He lives inside of all of us. If you have trusted in Christ, man, he, he, you've got a helper living inside of you. And so know that. So I'm going to pray for us. Please come find us and uh, talk to us. We'd love to hang out. Father, thank you for your love and for your grace. Thank you for the fact that, uh, man, you are big that you care for us, that you knew us before we were born. You know how many hairs are on our head. And you have given us your word so that we may know you, so that we become more like you. Uh, for the good of others and for the glory of you, we can begin to read and interpret our Bibles correctly. That our, our theology becomes grounded in truth and therefore our actions are, are stemming from truth and are solid and can be trusted and that we are leading others well inside of truth. We love you a whole lot. Thank you for every single person in this room. And I pray that they just leave here encouraged. It's in your name I pray. Amen.